Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast, where we want to know God, love people, and reach our world. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online by going to gracelife.church. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week and everywhere you go with the gracelife.church app. It's free and available wherever you download apps. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Grace Life. How are you guys doing? So good to see you. I hope your new year is going great. Maybe some of you are here for the first time. Uh, Glad to have you here. Thank you. Uh, Maybe you're starting off the year on a journey of seeing where God, church, and everything fits in your life. If you have any questions, please let us know. We're just happy to be a part of that journey and uh, see what we can do to help you as uh, you you come closer to God and, and He does some great things in your life. That's what I'm looking forward to this year. I hope you are as well. Hey, before we get started, a couple of uh, things to talk to you about today. The first one is the announcement you just heard about First Step right after this service, free lunch, free child care. And so great opportunity for you. This is where we talk about who we are as a church, what we believe, why we do what we do. It gives you a great chance to discover if this is the church for you. So stick around, eat free lunch. It's Chipotle, Chipotle buffet. I mean, when do you get to control the guacamole spoon yourself, right? So hey, some of you just said, I don't even care. I'm just going. That's, that's all there is to it. And the second thing, we've actually been doing something behind the scenes for three or four months uh, just to make sure it would work. And so now that we know it works and people have been using it, we're ready to tell the rest of the world about it. How many of you have the Grace Life app on your phone? You have the app on your phone? Okay, you're the cool people. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You're all cool people. Anyway, so you're going to need the app on your phone for this. But when you go to the Grace Life app, when you go to the messages button, the first thing that will show up is my message notes. You can now take notes on your phone. All of my stuff's already going to be there for you. That's the cool part. So all of the scripture for the day, some fill in the blanks, key points, discussion points for you. So you can use this later in the week when you're sitting down to respond to the message and pray through what God said to you on Sunday morning. Because you all do that. Yes. And it'll already be right there on your phone for you. And, uh, or when you go to your life group and, and you sit around and talk about what the message meant to you, it'll all be on your phone. So check that out. Get the app. And uh, you, you can follow along for the rest of the time. So, all right. Well, we're starting a new series today as we're kicking off a new year. Uh, you've probably figured out already. It's a series called First. Uh, talking about putting some things first in our lives. And uh, that was a goofy video, wasn't it? Funny? Can we just be honest? It's ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, ridiculous. Who would ever do something like that? Nobody. But if you ever see Andrew, please shake his hand. Thank him for being our guinea pig here. We put him in so many videos and he has to do so many stupid things. Just so you know, I did not ask him to eat a banana without peeling it. That, somebody on the film people, they, they, they came up with that. But here's the thing. As ridiculous as that is, none of us would ever eat a banana without peeling it. None of us would ever pour coffee without a cup. Those things are so natural. They're so obvious. But there are some things that are not as obvious, and we sometimes miss out on those. Matter of fact, the most famous sermon that Jesus ever preached is called the Sermon on the Mount. And he was explaining to people how to live life. Most of what he said was like, you've heard this, but let me tell you this. And one of those things that he started talking about was our needs and our stuff. Here on earth, and he's like, look, you're going to need this, and you're going to want this, and you're going to need that, and you're going to want this to go that way, and all the, look, but don't worry about this stuff, because your heavenly Father knows you need all of this. And then he said this very, very famous sentence, but seek first the kingdom of God, and all the other stuff is going to get added to you. And here's what I think is really cool about that. He didn't say, seek first the kingdom, and then go seek everything else. Seek first the kingdom and then go get everything else and go work hard for everything else. He actually said this, seek first the kingdom and everything else is just going to be given. It's just going to be added. I don't know about you, but I like that formula. So I I think that's what we should do. So that's what this series is all about for the next four weeks. We're we're talking about how to seek certain things first and, and get some things back in order. You may have your coffee cup in the right order, but we may not have some other spiritual things in order. So um, as always, I'm going to be the one that has to be transparent. So I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, I I like to succeed. I want to succeed. I want to be a successful person. Is it okay with you if I I just admit that to you? And I'm going to at least claim it's somewhat biblical. Here's the reason. Uh, There's a guy in the Bible named Nehemiah, and and some people were bothering him. And he said, I don't have time for you because I'm doing a great work. 
And so I put in my journal, God, I want to do a great work for you. I want to do a great work. And I don't really know what all that means. I do know that there are people that are going to do a great work for God we'll never hear about on earth. We'll meet them in heaven and hear their story and go, wow, that's amazing. So I don't know what it means to do a great work. All I know is I don't want to be ordinary. Is there anybody with me you don't want to be ordinary? Is there anybody that believes today that if you were created by the sovereign ruler of the universe, the creator God who put in you very specific talents and very specific gift sets and put you on the earth for a very specific time that you will believe if that's true and you cooperate with him in the process that you will be far beyond ordinary. Is anybody believing that? So in doing some research, I said, if I'm going to be a successful person, I wonder what they'd do. So preparing for this message and also preparing myself for the new year, because I every year try to kind of get some things on track that weren't on track before. A lot of us are doing that at the new year, right? So I came across an article this week, and it was talking about what successful people do. And one of the articles that I came across was about how successful people start their mornings. And the first thing that all successful people do is get up early. Did y'all know that? It was number one on the list for every single one of those people. I just want to slap them in the face because I'm just being honest. And so they get up early. And the reason for that is they said, look, they know that the important thing is that they get their priorities done before the rest of the world wakes up and puts their priorities on them. Remember, here, here was the quote that I got out of the article. It says, extraordinary, right? We don't want to be ordinary. Extraordinary people believe that if their priority needs to be done, it has to be done first. So they get up early, really early. And for most of these people, they said that they got up no later than 5.30. And these are people whose first appointment times are like 9 to 10 a.m. These are not like soldiers. Soldiers in here just said, Get 5.30? i got to be at work at 5.30. That's easy. What are you talking about? No, we're, we're talking about people who are getting up hours ahead. Then after they get up, they do some physical exercise, and then this one is what struck me. They have what they call an hour of power. And their hour of power is meditation or, or reflecting on something inspirational or writing in a gratitude journal or reciting a mantra. They, they have figured out that that hour of re-envisioning for your life and that mental focus and that spirituality of some sort is, is so important. And, and so I was driving home that day, and I live in the summit, and so right as I was turning off Clemson Road into the summit, I, I'm talking to God and just thinking through things and, and telling him I, I really do want to do a great work for him. I want to be a successful person. And as clear as day, God said to me, but you don't have the morning of a successful person. Does anybody have sympathy for me? <laughs> the first service, I got some, ooh, you got to know. Anyway, that's all right. They love me more, but that's okay. Very convicting. So here's what I'm going to do today. Since God convicted me, I'm going to give you an opportunity to equally be convicted. <laughs> I hope you guys are ready for this. So uh, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you up front that what I want to talk about today is probably the simplest, most practical most obvious thing that I'm going to preach in, in years. And, and so I'd like to say I, I probably don't need to because I think we all already know that we need to put God first in our day. And you've probably heard how to make God first in your day. That already sounds boring, doesn't it? Doesn't it sound boring? Somebody's going to talk to you about that. But I was at a pastor's conference recently. And, and I mean, so nobody's there but pastors and, and church staff and everybody's there to learn how to do all of these things. And, and one of the sessions was taught by a friend of mine who's got his doctorate in ministry. And so he's Dr. Alan Holmes, and he is talking to all of us as pastors. And you know what his topic was? It wasn't something theological about the four millennial views or the difference between transubstantiation and consubstantiation, and anybody even knows what those words are. I don't even know, you know, that kind of thing. He said, how to start your day with God. Are you kidding? A pastor's conference? And you know what? It was the best thing there. Everybody who went said it was the best thing. Because here's the truth. I know we all know most of what I'm probably going to say this morning, but we're all also human. And we don't always do what we know, right? So think about this. If the successful people in the world know that a mental, spiritual hour of power is essential to being a successful person. How much more important is that for people who are actually spiritual beings, who are filled with the Holy Spirit, who profess to be sons of the Most High? I mean, sons and daughters? I mean, are you guys with me? Because I'm going to tell you this. 
The people on that list in that article that I read, most of them were very, very famous. And to my knowledge, none of the people in this article that were interviewed and talking about who they are and what they do, none of them profess to be Christians. And none of them claim to be followers of Jesus. I'm not saying they're not, but it's not something that they put out there. And so they go knowing that they need something spiritual, but they don't even have a source from where they're getting it. And they're spending an hour a day without a source. Imagine what you and I could do if we put God first in our day for that time, right? So that's what we're going to do. Uh, I'm going to talk to you in, in this way, if that would be okay. That's the what. Putting God first in our day, that's the what. I'm going to talk about why, and then I'm going to give you some ideas for how. And like I said, I know that sounds, uh, really, Jimmy? All right, look, I, I'll make a deal with you, because you're already like slinking down in your seat, feeling guilty, because we, most of us, we don't do a very good job of this. We know that. We don't, we don't get up an hour early every day and read our Bibles and, and whatever, and so we're feeling guilty, or we're feeling bad, or you think this is going to be one of those you oughta and you shoulda and, and those kind of messages. So I'm going to make a deal with you right now. Erase that from your memory, and if I can't give you an inspiration and a taste for something better, that at the end of this you go, yes, I want that, then you don't have to take it. Is that fair? What I feel my job today is, is to present to you kind of like the aroma. You know when you go to your favorite restaurant, you get out of the car and you smell, that is filet mignon on the grill. I'm not a vegan, just so you know. And that smell makes you go, I want, I want to go inside and eat filet mignon, that kind of thing. Instead of like, I, I grew up and my mom would make collard greens and I'd go, oh, what is that smell? This is not going to be that kind of message. If this doesn't smell good at the end and you don't want it, you can leave it. But here we go. So let's start with why. Why do we do this? First of all, Mark 135, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. I used to joke all the time. If you ever came to First Step before we changed our material, this actually used to be in it. And I used to joke all the time about how this was my most hated verse in all the Bible. And I've got good theology to back that up because God created the world. God decides when the sun comes up. You don't need to get up if the sun hasn't come up. I mean, if God hasn't decided for the sun, we don't need to be up either, okay? Isn't that pretty good theology, don't you think? Why is Jesus up while it was still dark? Sleep in, dude. But no, look. How many of you know that whatever someone's joking about, they're at least half telling the truth? Don't ever trust when somebody says, oh, I was just joking, man. No, they meant something in there. And, and the truth is, I meant that I didn't have very good mornings either. And I just didn't want that to be something that convicted me. But just think about this for a moment. If Jesus, who is part of the Trinity, who was God, so badly needed fellowship with the Holy Spirit and the Father, that he got up before the sun, again, successful people know that they've got to get their priorities done first before other people put theirs on them, which is exactly what happens in that passage, by the way. The following verses are people found him and said, look, Jesus, we need this. And if he had not gotten up early while it was still dark, while everybody else was in bed. Our founding pastor, Jerry Daly, this was probably his number one thing he always talked to people about. You, you kind of hated to go to coffee with him. You just didn't want to talk to Do you ever get frustrated when the pastor says, hey, could we get together? You're like, <gasps> well, in his case, you always knew you're going to have to answer the question of how your mornings are going. Right? I mean, Joe, come on. Yeah. So, brother, tell me about your prayer times. Brother, tell me about your mornings. How's the guy? And, and there was never a good answer. But anyway, so I would hear him teach to other pastors about what he'd do. He would never set an appointment before 11 a.m., and other pastors would tell him, man, you, I don't know how you do that. You're, you're amazing if you can get away with that. I've got too much to do. I've got, I've got to work too hard. I've got to get, and they would make excuses. And he would look at them and just say, well, no, listen, listen, I understand. You're probably just better than me because I just can't do this without God. And when he didn't start before 11, he got up at 5 a.m., just so you know. I'll just fill that, that in right there. So what happened when I heard him say that, and, and I'm not, doing this perfectly, by the way, just so you know, I'm not here today to cast stones. I'm as bad as anybody in the room is what, what I'm doing, but I still hope to inspire you anyway. Anyway, <laughs> but here's what I know. With that in my head, every time that I think about running out the door at the last minute, about getting up and not taking any time to talk to God, and just, I'm just running on my way, you know, coffee in one hand, bagel in the other and whatever, I, I think that what I'm really doing is looking up to heaven and saying, hey God, don't worry, I got it today. I don't need you. 
And I wish I could tell you that that convicting thought alone makes me do this right every day. But like I said, I'm not perfect. Here's what I want to do. Normally at this point I say, join me, turn in your Bibles, let's look at our main passage. But before we get to our main passages, I want to show you what you're going to see in our main passage. So I'm going to do something out of order today. I'm going to give you a list of what we get from God when we put God first in our day. It's going to be on the screen right here. The first thing that we get when we put God first in our day is perspective. It changes what we see and turns it into what he sees. How many of you know when you sit down and you talk to God about the frustrations in your life, the pain in your life, the difficult circumstances, and you just start talking to that? He starts to change what you think about that. And it helps us process our emotions. It's what gives us peace, and it gives us strength. It'll even lead us to do crazy things like confess or repent or forgive somebody. And it's just that moment of going, I was so angry at that person, and, I, and then the Holy Spirit says so. You're like, yeah, you know, I guess I could see where they're coming from. And that perspective just begins to shift. Oh my God, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this. Well, you know what? I guess if we do this, this, that's going to be, right? I mean, come on. Anybody ever done that? You just get peace. Second thing we get is wisdom. Wisdom tells us what to do. It tells us how to do it. It tells us when to do it. It tells us how to respond, how to react, how to handle what life is about to give me because this day is going to be full of stuff that most of us don't enjoy every minute of, right? How do I handle this? Proverbs Eight, personifies wisdom. And so wisdom is talking, and this is what wisdom says. Blessed is the one who listens to me watching daily at my gates. Daily. You're not going to get enough wisdom doing this once a week, but watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors, because whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. I don't know about you, but whatever the Bible calls life, I want, and favor from the Lord, I want. I, mean, I think if we can get what the Bible calls life and favor from God, I'm ready for whatever the world throws at me. The third thing we're going to get is we're going to hear his voice. You know, there are some people that would tell you that God no longer speaks, that, that God is not communicating with his people. I'm going to tell you, I don't believe that. Just as I was driving home this week and God told me something I didn't want to hear, right? I mean, that, but it's a spiritual voice. It, we, we, we hear God speaking to our inner man and it, we, we have these, these ideas that the idea of hearing God is, is like, a thunderous cloud and, and something outside your car speaks to you. But when I was driving home this week and God told me I didn't have the morning of a successful person, the first thing you need to know is I would not have that thought by myself. I say nice things to myself. I compliment me. We'll preach on my pride another day, but that's just the point. That spiritual thought was from the Holy Spirit. And, and, and there wasn't a cloud that moved like the shape of a mouth, and there wasn't some booming sound outside my car. Hey, you, Jimmy. No, no, it's a spiritual voice. And if we want to learn how to hear that spiritual voice, it's something that has to be a regular part of our lives. Every day we get to hear him. The fourth one is we get our needs met. You know, God gave himself names. He gave himself a lot of names. It's a lot of fun just to know the names of God that he put in Scripture for us to use when we refer to him. And I want you to think about one of those names, Jehovah Jireh, God, your provider. I am Yahweh, your provider. Well, think about that for just a second. Here's what that means. I've got four kids. And if I were to hear one of my kids go to my neighbor's house and knock on the door and say, hey, Mr. Pace, can, can you feed me? Because I don't want to ask my dad for food and I'm hungry. It would break my heart because I'm their father. And if they're hungry, that's what I'm here for. If they need something, that's what I'm here for. I'm their father. I'm their provider. I'm the one that wants to bless them. And, and I think too often we've heard, well, all you do when you pray is go and tell God what you need. And, and you just, when do you ever tell God anything else? You know, there's always your needs, your needs, your needs. Well, but who do you think he wants us to go to? He, he does not want us going, hey, I don't need to talk to you about my needs because, you know, I got that handled. Or, hey, I'm going to the devil. Or, hey, I'm going to people. Or, hey, I'm going to the lottery. Or, hey, whatever the story is. I think God wants us to go, you're my child. I'm your father. Come and tell me what I can do in your life. You know, some of us, we like to say things like, well, you know, I just don't want to bother God. And we think that's humble. Hey, humble, that's as proud as it gets. Because let me paraphrase that for you. In my humility, I don't want to bother God. No, here's what you're really saying is, I got this. But if it ever gets bad enough that I can't handle it, I'll check on him and see if he's not too busy. It's not humble at all. Those are the four things we get from God when we put him first in our day. When we put him first in our day, we also give him something that's very, very important, and that is worship. We just finished 
a four-part series in December talking about worship. And we called it making much of because that's the phrase we use here all the time is making much of him. That's what we want to do with our lives is make much of him. And the whole point to this is when you start your day, we need to make much of him before we make much of anything else. Somebody with me on that? So I want to show you our main passage today. It's, it's two different psalms, and they're both written by a guy named David, King David of, of Israel, and he wrote most of psalms, actually. And if you know anything about David, then you know that one thing was said of him, and that is that he was a man after God's own heart. The only person that that was ever said of by God himself, right? Saying that David was a man after his own heart. You have to wonder what that is. There's a, you could speculate a lot, but I'm just going to throw out there as what we're about to read. One of the things that made David a man after God's own heart is that he actually sought out God's heart. They actually would put God first. So um, normally, again, I would tell you, turn to your Bibles with me. But today, I'm going to ask you to look at the screen. Because what I've done is I've inserted every one of those words in parentheses that I just showed you into Scripture so you'll see it there. So everything in parentheses, not in your Bible, but it's me, but check this out. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God, for to you do I pray, O Lord, in the morning. You know what that means? First, first thing before I do anything else, in the morning you hear my voice. You hear me talking to you about my life and saying, God, this is what I need. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm not just talking about provision. Maybe you need healing. Maybe you need a relationship restored. Maybe you need forgiveness. Maybe you need to forgive. Maybe you need anything. He is your father. He is the spirit who lives inside of you. You hear my voice talking to you about me. In the morning, again, first, I prepare a sacrifice for you. You know what that is? That's worship. That's what they would do in the Old Testament. To worship God, they knew they were sinful. This was before they understood Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection because that had not happened in, in time at that point. So they had to bring bloodshed on their own through an animal every single time they came to worship. So they would make a sacrifice. So I want you to imagine David has gotten up early enough in the morning to find an animal worthy of a sacrifice and to take the time to go through all of that just so he can talk to God. Somebody want to say amen for Jesus? And... I watch because I expect to meet with this God of heaven. I expect my personal God who loved me enough to send his son to die for me, that he's going to speak back, that he's going to show up, that he is going to help me through this day, that he's going to give me wisdom and he's going to give me perspective. Here's what David said in Psalm 143. Let me hear. Hear what? What do you want to hear, David? God's voice. Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love. Again, first, of your steadfast love, for in you I trust. Wait a minute. So if I'm hearing God tell me about his love for me so that I can put my trust in it, what just changed? My perspective. You know what? Do I have teenagers in the room and, and probably young 20s and, and anybody else who loves Instagram? We wake up every day and one of the first things we do, kind of roll over and we pick up our phone and we go to Instagram and we get a perspective of whether or not we're loved. That's what we're searching for. Oh, how many likes did I get on that? Oh, wait a minute. Uh, did, did, did so-and-so comment on that? I know they saw it. But they didn't even comment. And our perspective of acceptance and love and who we think we are and whether or not we're good with who we are, all of that begins to change at that moment when what we really need to do is go and hear from God of his steadfast love so that I am good with who I am because I'm good with who he is and who he made me to be regardless of what Instagram says. Make me know the way that I should go. Wisdom. For you I lift up my soul. Now, you know why David was saying all this? Back up a couple of verses in verse 3. For the enemy has pursued my soul. He's crushed my life to the ground. You see, David's figured out somebody wants to take him out. In this particular context where he's saying, God, I come to you and I need to hear of your love and I need your perspective and I need your wisdom and I need your guidance. It's because he actually has a physical army, physical person, somebody coming to take him out. Somebody's trying to kill him. And here's what you need to know. You have an enemy. And it may not be an army camp down the road, but it is an enemy who is here to take you out. The Bible tells us that we have an adversary prowling around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. There is someone whose plan every single day is to kill your faith. To kill your faith. 
And it's so easy to do, especially when we don't have God's perspective on life. I mean, think about this. Think back to the last really bad day. The last really bad day. It was the day where the boss came in and said, we're laying some people off, and I'm sorry, you're one of them, and, and you, you just know things aren't going well financially. You've got zero savings. You're, you're paycheck to paycheck, and, and your whole world just fell apart, and it was the worst news. Or, or maybe you, you went to see a doctor, and the doctor said something that, that is not looking like it's a good prognosis or not an easy one. This is going to be a, a tough road ahead, and, and it depressed you, and it came over, and you said, oh, I don't know what we're going to do. What am I going to do? What am I going to do about our finances? How am I going to get through this? And as you remember your last bad day, I want you to think back to the morning of that bad day. Now, I'm not saying that if we put God first, our life is all rosy. What I'm saying is when we put God first, we can handle better what comes at us, that our faith doesn't die in the process. You see, if you can't remember the last time that you talked to God and heard from God and had his perspective for you, and when your financial world starts falling apart, it is so easy to go, God, where are you? I thought you were supposed to be my provider. Why is my life like this? But if every morning we're saying, God, you're good to me. God, you're good. God, thank you so much for your goodness. And then when there's a tough day coming, you go, well, God, this is just a great opportunity to see what you're about to do. You see, it's all about having that perspective. That's the why. So we know the what putting God first in our day. We know why. Let's talk about how. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you there's no perfect recipe because we're different people. And and relating to God, he's a person. And and that's just like you relating to your spouse or you relating to another person or you relating to another friend. You're going to do that differently than maybe I'm going to do that. So what I'm going to do right now, I'm just going to share with you some really practical stuff. And I'm going to trust all of you are, are super smart, and you're going to take these ideas, and you're going to change them, you're going to tweak them, you're going to figure out how to make them work for you, you're going to keep some, you're going to throw out some. But what I want to do is just give you some practical ideas of how you can put God first in your day in the simplest of ways. Before we do that, we need to address the elephant in the room. Everybody knows what the elephant in the room in this conversation is, right? Every, every single time that I talk to somebody about setting God first in their day and, and spending some time with him, I always get the same answer. Man, that is so hard because I am a night person. <laughs> I used to think I was a night person too because I always stayed up late. <laughs> That's really how that works. That is exactly what happens. I, I, when I was in college, I was a music major. I was a concert pianist. And so I could only practice piano when the music building was open. And they closed the music building at 11 p.m. every day. And so I had to maximize my daytime. There were a few times when I really, I, I'm, a, I'm a nerd. I'll just go ahead and admit it. And so there were a few times I really wanted to practice. I hid under the piano to the security guard and left and locked the door. But the rest of the time, I actually left at 11 And, and, you know, if you're a music major, you do music first. Homework is second. Everybody else should know that. I mean, my psychology teacher should have known. I'm not a psychology major. You're second. You're not first. That's not how that works. So so I would practice till 11. And, And at that point, I'm not sleepy, right? Come on. You know what it's like? You push through that little sleepy moment you have somewhere around 8 or 9 p.m. And, and now I'm wired. And, and I went to college where it was really cold. So if I wasn't wired, I get wired real fast when you go outside the door walking back to your dorm. Woo! It's like 10 degrees. Oh my gosh. And so I'm back in my dorm. It's 1130 and I'm wide awake and I'm doing homework until two, but I've got a class at 8 a.m. So guess what? I did not get up and talk to God. Who's going to get up and talk to God when you only went to bed like five hours ago? Right? Let me look. Here is what you need to know. You're human, I hope. And humans need seven to nine hours of sleep. It's how our Creator made us. You're, you're not going to shortcut that. You're not going to change that. You're not going to train yourself out of it. You're, you're not going to melatonin your way through this. There is no answer except sleep. That's what you're going to have to do. There are a few people, and by that I mean a very few people, who actually can sleep four to five hours and feel energized, and they can do this day after day after day. There are about two of you, and you're weird. (laughs) You need to know you're weird. What's more important, and weird in a good way, by the way, you're gifted. But what's more important is the rest of us need to know we're not weird like you. We need seven to nine hours of sleep. So look, here is, I'm going to tell you the secret. There is a secret. I did a lot of research deep into the depths of the internet. In a far encyclopedia on the other side of the globe, I found the secret to getting up earlier. Go to bed. (laughs) 
You pick on older people because they go to bed earlier. Maybe it's because they're smarter. Maybe because they figured something out. Because somewhere around my mid-40s, I figured out, you know what? I just put my kids to bed. And I'm the same one that's got to get them back out of bed. So if I stay up another four hours, something's wrong with this process. And in all seriousness, largely because I was failing at the very thing that I'm trying to inspire you to do today. I started going to bed with my kids. So I put my kids to bed at 8, and by that I don't mean exactly to bed, but I mean done with the TV and done with all the stuff that tries to keep me awake, and, and I'll start reading a book. I've got two or three books beside my bed because I'm not always in the same mood, right? You don't always want to watch the same TV show, right? You know, that's how that is. And, and, and so I just got something I want to do, spend time talking to my wife, just slowing down so that hopefully somewhere between 9 and 10 I actually am asleep because my morning does start earlier and, and I just had to do the math. I had to back up. I can do about seven and a half hours every day and I'm okay. I, I can do 8 and be happy. 8.30 is awesome. I don't need 9 and I can't do 6. If I do 6, I'm not going to do well. So uh, the second, before we go any further, the second elephant in the room, because there's two today, we, we need to address the mental image you have of putting God first in your day. When someone says an hour of power, getting God into your life an hour before you do anything else, we all have a picture in our head. Just imagine it with me. It's like a Thomas Kincaid painting. And there is this man sitting at his dining room table, and it's dark all around him except for this little candlestick. One little light. And he's got his Bible in front of him, and he's in this position, right? Come on, that's the picture in our heads, right? If you have ever tried to get up an hour before anyone else in your house and only light, one little light, and make no other noise, you found yourself 15 minutes later drooling on Matthew chapter 5 <laughs> on the table. Come on, right? That's what happens. You will not stay awake. So look, common sense hit me. When I go to wake up my kids to go to school, they don't get up. I'm yelling, wake up, time for school. Uh. Right, come on, parents, you're with me on this. You know what I'm talking about. I, I, they're still small enough, I will physically go and like sit them up in bed, and then they just fall back over to the other side. It's completely, so I figured this, if I can't wake them up when I want to wake them up, then I'm certainly not going to wake them up with anything else. And so when I get up, here's my plan, here's what, what I do, and I'm just going to walk you through it. You take what you want, leave what you want, however that works. But I start my day by trying to redeem some time. Uh, you know, one of the biggest things we do, if you want to spend an hour with God, I'm going to tell you how to do that without getting up an hour earlier. Does anybody want to know that secret? Okay, that's a secret. It's called redeem the time you're already spending. So here's the way it works. Um, I'm a tea person. My wife is a coffee person. So fortunately, she's blessed because the whole world loves coffee people. You, you can get automated coffee makers that start brewing before you get out of bed. And so you just smell the aroma. I mean, she's just like lifted up by like an angel and makes her <laughs> coffee, Starbucks in my, yeah. Not me, a tea, tea maker, you've actually like got to walk all the way downstairs to your kitchen, get a pot, put water in it, put it on the stove, you know, put the tea in the, yeah, that. So I turn on worship music. I get out my phone. I've got a Spotify playlist called Worship Favorites. And, and so I put it on and, and I just start listening to worship right then. And, and so one of two things is happening. One is I'm waking up. I mean, as soon as you start walking, you're, I turn on every light in the house. I don't care. Now turn on every single light. I need to wake up. Anybody wants to sleep, they can get up and, and talk to God, or they can just, they're going to figure it out. They, kids pull blankets over their heads, but I'm turning on the lights. I, I'm going to my kitchen. I've got Spotify. It's playing worship songs for me. And, and so if I'm not waking up, which I am, then I'm also getting that perspective of God is great. God is, I'm just listening to this. I'm letting his wisdom and his perspective begin to change because the last thing you need to do is what we usually do, which is stumble our way to our coffee maker in the dark. And while we push that button, I hate Mondays. I hate my job. I hate my life. Well, that's a great perspective to start your day with. Good luck with that. 
So that's where the worship music really comes in to help. And so I will spend about five to 10 minutes doing that, okay? So look, look, I haven't even gotten up earlier to do that. I told you, I'm gonna show you how to get an hour with God without getting up an hour earlier. Just five to 10 minutes of worship music, about two songs is what it takes for me to get to my kitchen, boil the water, get the tea made, and get to my dining room table. That's where I am. Now, some of you would say, well, I, I don't know where to find that worship music. So I'm just gonna share with you what I'm doing. Is that okay? We decided to take my playlist and we put it on our Grace Life Spotify page. And so uh, if you go to Grace Life Spotify page, you'll find a, I think, first in your morning is what we're calling it. We just made this up this past week. And, and you can get all of the worship songs that I put on my list as of last week. And there you go. Okay. Uh, then the second thing, I've got a friend of mine. He's a pastor. He can't do what I do. He needs to wake up in a different way. Some of you are going to need to do this. First thing he does, he gets up and he goes and he walks outside of his house for 10 minutes straight, just as fast as he can. Doesn't run anything. Just walks fast for 10 minutes. And then he comes back in. Then he makes his coffee. Then he takes the, the next step of what I'm talking about. So then at this point, I'm going to sit down and I'm actually going to read the Bible. Now, here's the question for you. How many of you would actually like to read through the entire Bible in one year? It would be an awesome goal. You'd love a year from now to say, I read through the entire Bible in one year. That was not a lot of hands. First service kicked your butts. I'm just going to tell you. <laughs> anyway, did you know it only takes about 10 minutes a day? You probably didn't know that. That's why some of your hands didn't go up because you didn't want to sign up for that. You're like, oh, I don't want to do this. 10 minutes a day sometimes 12 or 13 if it's a longer day, and you can read the entire Bible in one year. And, and so there are some apps. We're going to put some apps up here for you that you can look at. The YouVersion Bible app will let you sign up for all these different Bible reading plans. We've got one we gave out last week. It's a paper copy you can keep in your Bible. If you want that, you can pick that up in the connection area on the way out. Uh, the other thing that's up there is the Dwell app. Both the YouVersion app and the Dwell app will also read the Bible to you. You know, maybe, maybe you're just like, I, I just can't do this, Jimmy. Every time I sit down, I just fall asleep. I just, I'm not good at reading. I, I struggle with reading in school, and so that turns me off from the Bible. I don't know how to say all of those Old Testament names anyway. I, I just feel sick. I just can't do all that. Then just let the Bible read to you. I mean, I, I do believe that you get some stuff out of, if you're a visual learner especially, you get some stuff out of it by reading it. And, and I read one with a study Bible because I'm a nerd and I ask questions, and so I need to be able to go to the bottom of it and get answers that, that's there, which will take a longer than 10 minutes sometimes if you do that. But, but I will just tell you this, if you just let it read to you, and, and then you can even, if you are running behind, you can let it read to you while you drive or whatever else you're doing. And so then after I've done this, uh, now I've spent between 10 and 15 minutes in my Bible, five to 10 minutes doing worship. I'm probably about 20, 25 minutes in. I haven't really gotten up that much earlier, maybe about 15, 30 minutes earlier in order to do everything I'm about to tell you about. Then I'm going to sit down and I'm going to pray from my journal. I have a list of things in my journal that I talk to God about every day. And Jesus taught this parable about this woman that, that got what she wanted, not because of who she was, except she wouldn't stop asking. She just would stop asking. So I've got a list of things that I want God to do in my life, the kind of person I want to be, the kind of leader I want to be, successful. I told you I want to do great things for God. I've got that whole list of what I want God to do through my life. I've got a list of things about my marriage, about my family, for this church, and for other things that people ask me to join them in praying with. And so I will sit down and I pray that list every single day. I don't think there is anything wrong with knocking on the door of heaven going, hey, I know you heard me yesterday, but it hasn't made it to earth yet. So I'm back. I'm back. I'm going to tell you about it again. I need you to do this in my life. And I do that every single day until I scratch something off the list. And I want you to know I'm not perfect at this by far. And so if you're one of those people like, man, I, Jimmy, you sound like you just got this nailed. No, you know what? There are days I'm just not in the mood to do that. And let me tell you how I shortcut. I'll say, hey, God, I pray everything on this list right now. I, I've done that. But you need to give yourself grace for how this works because there are days where you're running a little bit behind or a little something else and, and you can read every word on the list one day and the next day you can just say, God, you see this, I need this. And, and then you move on. And so at that point, I sit down and I write in my journal. I just need to talk to all of the dudes in the room at the moment here. Uh, that's not a diary. It's a journal. By that, I mean it is my record of, of my soul and where I am. And so sometimes my journal is one sentence um, I'll be honest, sometimes I skip days, sometimes it's a paragraph, sometimes it, it's more. It just depends on where I am. What I do is I take one day a month and I look back at what God's done in my life. I want to just be able to see enough. And, and so I put little things in my journal like, man, what a really great day. Uh, yesterday was a fun time with my kids. Sometimes I'll put in there, this verse I was just reading has just really changed my life and here's what God's telling me to do with it. 
Sometimes I'll say, you know, this is what my wife and I are praying about and, and can't wait to see what God's going to do. And, and so then I can look back. So you always wonder, what do people say when they journal? They, Dear God, oh my gosh, that, that, if that works for you, God bless you. <laughs> that doesn't work for me. It is keeping a, a track of just what I'm feeling, what I'm processing, what I'm talking to God about. And, and so once I've done that, I, I'm, I'm kind of done with my alone time. And what I'll do at this point is sit down and connect with my wife. We'll pray with each other for about 10 to 15 minutes, talking about our, our kids. And we do the same. We're knocking on that door. Hey, God, you know what we said about our kids yesterday? We're going to repeat it again today. You know why? Because I'm praying that they have godly spouses. And last time I checked, I've got at least 18 years of that prayer. I'm praying that they're going to do well in college, that they're going to get into college, they're going to get out of my house someday. I'm just, I'm praying all kinds of things. I'm praying over their identity that he's created them for, that they would know what that is, that they would walk in that. I mean, that stuff doesn't change. So I put that before God every single day. We don't have a lot of time. You'd be surprised, man. You try to pray just over your family and your children, and in 10 minutes, it's gone like that. And then we've hit the point where it's time for what I call fun hour chaos. Kids got to get out of bed. Anybody try to get kids out of bed? You know what I'm talking about? Get them to school? Insane. So then we begin what is supposed to be 45 minutes, sometimes turns into an hour, and then we have to get out of the car and check them in because they got to school late. But anyway, never said we were perfect parents, but we, we, we go through this 45 minutes of chaos of trying to get the kids ready. And so in order to help them put God first in their day, as well as to help them with the chaos, is I'll take my Spotify playlist and put it on our sound bar in the living room and blast it. And it's great because one of our kids actually got out of bed just to try to find my phone and turn off the music. <laughs> Wonderful. He was awake. But if not, then at least what they're hearing is truth about God as they start their day. And they're probably too young to even understand what's going on. But it begins to change their perspective as well. And so after 45 minutes of this chaos where I have time while I keep saying, get out of bed, get out of bed, eat your breakfast, find your shoes, get your jacket, get your book bag, all that sort of stuff. I've got plenty of time to check my calendar on my phone to, to prepare for a few things of the day, maybe even continue just talking to God about some things. If I'm not going to the gym, which I go to the gym some days and not some days, and we're not going to define some from the stage. But if I'm not going to the gym, I use those 45 minutes, then I'm getting showered and dressed and, and getting ready to go with the kids, so I'm coming into the office early if it's one of those days where I've got an early day here. Then sometimes after I, I get the kids in the car, actually every day that I get the kids in the car, I turn that worship playlist back on. So for 10 minutes in the car, I have found if I don't have, have the playlist, I got two choices, the worship music playlist or the kid fighting playlist. Because they're like, get over, you're in my spot, move over, get your book back off of me, daddy! Ah. Just turn the music on and make it louder than the children. <laughs> Secret. And once I get them there, I'll, I'll, I'll go to the gym on my gym days. And, and again, I, at this point, I've already spent like easily an hour either worshiping, talking to God, praying, reading the Bible, whatever's going on. And if you haven't noticed, most of it is not early time. Most of it is just doing what I normally would do, but bringing God into that. I could think about how miserable my life is, or I can talk to God. It's a choice. So I get to the gym and I'll make a couple of choices. Many of us go to the gym, so let me tell you how to redeem that. Uh, I'll put on a podcast where I'll listen to a leadership podcast from some Christian leaders learning how to do my job better, or I'll put on some messages from, from some really good preachers in our country because I have to preach to you every week and so I need somebody to preach to me. And I'm not gonna tell you who they are because they're good. And I want you to come back and listen to me. So if you can find them, Good luck with that. I'm not telling you who I listen to. Anyway, uh, sometimes I don't listen to a podcast. Sometimes uh, I'll just talk to God again. You see, I've already prayed through all my lists. We've already talked about all the things I need. I've already listened to Scripture, read Scripture, and had Scripture, you know, beat me up or whatever it is you feel like it does some days or illuminate my mind, whatever it is. And now I'm at a point where I'm just, I just want to talk. Hey, God, you know, we, I got this thing going on. I, I don't really know what to do about this. Hey, God, you know, I was just thinking about such and such, you know, whatever, you know, whatever. I just begin to have a normal conversation. Or, or again, just put the worship music on and work out, whatever. And, uh, do you see how easy it is? That's literally an hour and a half every day that I'm able to reclaim. And the truth is, in order to have time to read the Bible, that's only about 15 minutes extra early to get up to do that. My hope for all of this is that you grabbed onto something. 
And I know some of you might be asking the question, so wait a minute, what, what about people with weird schedules? What about soldiers who have to be at work at 4 a.m.? Or what about moms of babies? Do you have any amens from moms of babies? You don't know when your morning started because you don't know when your night stopped. I mean, you had something cried every two hours. Like, so what's the difference? You got up at two, you got up at four, you're getting up at six. Which one of those counts as morning? I mean, you know what I'm saying, right? Look, here's what you got to do. Make the activity of hearing the word, reading the word, worship, praying your list, talking to God. Make those routine, even if the time isn't always routine even if they don't always go together in a block. Because, well, you might get up at four and you're feeding and you're rocking a baby for 30 minutes and it's a great time. Put on some worship music and just begin to talk to God. And then you get to go back to sleep, praise God, maybe. And then you're up again at six with this child or a different child as some of you have three or four or five of them at the same time doing this. And, and then you can, you see what I'm saying? And you can flow with it. And if you're a soldier who says, man, I, I've got to be at work at 4 a.m., please don't tell me I've got to get up at like 2.30. Well, probably not, but, you know, you could actually start doing some of this, like reading your word or praying before you go to bed. Your morning actually starts as your night ends, and they blend together. And, and unless you actually work in the bedroom upstairs, you're going to be in the car. And so even if you've got to be at work at 4, let the Bible read to you while you drive or let worship be there while you're driving or whatever the case is. So, look, here's the, the point. I don't do all this right. I don't get every day right. I'd love to tell you I did. I don't know if it would impress you more if I told you your pastor never missed a perfect day or if it would help you relate more to know that I'm as human as the rest of you. I'll let you choose. Some of you are going to find a new church because you're either disappointed or imp- I don't know. <laughs> my, my point today was not to throw things at you or to make you feel guilty. Again, like I said, I just wanted to offer something that hopefully by the end you said, I'd like to have that. Because I'm going to tell you what, back in the day when I, I, I thought I was a night person and I could never get things going and, and I heard a message like this, kind of gave me some pointers and sort of inspired me. And I, I'm going to do that. And I got up. I, I, I remember this feeling. It was amazing. I managed to force myself to get up early. That is not an amazing feeling. But after you spend some time with God, after you've realigned your focus with the word of God and maybe you weren't doing that every day and so that was a new thing and heard a little worship song and you're awake even went to the gym I mean you've been up for like three hours you've done everything and you're just getting to work and and, and you just feel like Superman bring it on I can handle whatever the world throws at me somebody comes to you at 9am I need to tell you that thing we had planned it's not going to work you're like that's all right. we got this figured out because you're not still in a fog going, what, what, what did you just say to me? If you could ever taste this, I'm just telling you, it'll mess you up. You will enjoy mornings, even if you think you're not a morning person. You'll start to sacrifice your nights. You see, here's the thing. We have to learn how to do mornings. Nights come naturally. But we know exactly what to do. That 8 o'clock hour, you just press through, and then you, you're good for another four hours. And then there's Netflix. Auto start. You're watching, I'm just going to watch one episode. And then how many of us, we watch four? Four hours later? Yeah. Secret to that is don't ever try to stop at the end of an episode. If y'all have not figured this out yet, you stop in the middle. Anyway. You just need to make a decision this morning. Do you like how your days are going? Do you like how your days are going? If you get to work with coffee and a bagel in a hand, Still kind of doing this with your eyes. Not quite ready for a problem yet. You know, those people that they have the t-shirt or the mug that says, don't bother me yet until I've had my coffee. But that's actually true. Do you really like that feeling? I mean, it's become normal. I know it. I lived it. Do you really like it? Or do you want to try something? Do you actually think your, your day might go a little better. Now, I, I'm not saying your circumstances change, but your ability to handle them. You think your day might go a little better if, if God were first, if our wisdom came from him and our perspective came from him. And truth is, it's actually pretty easy, as you've seen. You don't actually have to get up an hour earlier to spend an hour with God. You don't have to sit in the dark and the quiet by a candlelight. Wake up your family with you. They'll love to spend some time with Jesus. But you might need to get up a little bit earlier. As we do this, 
hopefully many of you are going, yes, I'm gonna try this. I can do this. Tomorrow is the national championship. And most of you are gonna stay up late and watch it. And you know what? So am I. Good news is there's not a national championship every night. Now, if you come up with a game to watch every night, you might need to make a choice. What I want to encourage you in is don't beat yourself up if you mess up a day. Because there are going to be days you're not choosing to watch the national championship. You're just, you had a car breakdown. You had to go help your spouse. Her tire was flat at Walmart at 9 p.m. And you thought you'd be in bed early, but you're not in bed early. Or your teenager walks in the door at 1030 from high school and needs to have a deep conversation. Next thing you know, you're not going to bed until 1 because you need to be a good dad and good mom. And you're going to have days don't beat yourself up. Just see if more days than not, every day that you can control and every day that's not a national championship, that you go to bed subtracting the seven or nine hours you need from when you need to get up. It's a simple choice. Will you redeem some of this time? Will you put God first in your day? I want to close today by talking to those of you that well, you might not be putting God first in your day because, well, the truth is you haven't put him first in your life. You know, Matt, earlier when we were doing communion, explained to us Jesus died for every single one of us. But there's an exchange that has to take place. Every single one of us at some point has to see time compress. And where we stand here in 2019 and we look at Jesus hanging on the cross 2,000 years ago and, and say to him, thank you that you died for me, and now I wanna live for you. If you've never done that, I wanna help you do that here this morning. I'm not gonna ask you to come down front or embarrass you in any way, but right where you're seated, would you all join me and pray? Say something like this to yourself and to God. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. And now, I want to live for you. I thank you for your love, your mercy, your forgiveness. And my simple prayer here today is that you would give me a life of great meaning and great purpose in your kingdom. Amen. Let's celebrate with those people. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you've made the decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's the best decision you'll ever make. If you've been impacted in any way, we'd love to hear about it. Head over to gracelife.church resources where you can share your story and find other tools for following Jesus. We hope you go out and make Jesus famous in your world.